0: Hey, good afternoon, Prescott. It's a little bit late for Prescott Talks, but you know,
1: I've got another really great guest with me today. I have J.J. Wilcott, who is running for the President of the United States. And welcome to Prescott number
0: one. Thank you and so welcome much. welcome to the
1: show. It's great to have you here. So to we're here. gonna pick your brain a little bit and see what's good. going on. And so just kind of a, a you know guideline here, we got, you are a presidential candidate. You're running under the Democratic ticket. Mm -hmm. And um, so I put that out this morning on my Facebook. And I said, hey, you guys aren't going to believe because you know my crowd usually is conservative. (laughs) And they're like, oh, Glenn's going to interview a Democrat? Yeah. But you know what? I've been talking with her for like the last 20 minutes. I think she's probably more of a moderate than you are a Democrat. (laughs) I'm just getting that feeling. But... um, you know, one of the questions that came up on my Facebook was, uh, you're kind of getting into this late, you know, the boat's already sailed, and um, th- th- I guess my question is, do you think it's too late to jump into this party?
0: Well, that was one of my own questions, right? Mm-hmm. How, how is it that you get into this space? And one of the things that I always say is it's better to get the right answer than the fast one. Mm-hmm. And so, to me, the, the primary rule that you go by is how do we make sure that we get the right answer for the, for the country? So when I started on my journey, because I'm on a 50-state tour, mm-hmm. I had two questions uh, for Americans. And the first was, do you like who's on stage right now? And that could be from both parties. Mm-hmm. And so when that answer was no, then the second question was, Well, are you interested in something different? Is that something that you would be willing to take a leap of consideration for? And overwhelmingly the answer was yes, and that was even true on both sides. Mm -hmm. And partly because my impression, I'm speaking for what I've heard, not necessarily my opinion, although I might agree, we keep getting the same answers over and over again, right? We get a lot of yelling, we get a lot of, uh, I'm gonna pass this law, or I'm gonna control Congress, or I'm gonna make this happen, and none of it has to do with what we actually do in government, which is solve problems. Mm -hmm. So it's like we're constantly searching for issues to discuss. We're not talking about solutions to any of those those issues that we can actually enact. So I believe in doing things right, which meant I was going to go from state to state to state, and I do three things in every state. Mm. I talk to Americans, both sides, every socioeconomic class, every type of job, I will talk to anyone. Secondly, I talk to experts. I talk to experts who have solutions in the key areas that we're trying to solve uh, in the government. And then the third thing that I do is I try to get to know the area. Mm-hmm. What is different about each state? What is unique? Or is it the case that we're literally like a melting pot that yeah. is all very, very similar? I can tell you we are not similar. Mm-hmm. We're more like a salad bowl, right? Where there's all these different ingredients and when it comes together, it's a great meal. Uh, any one of them on their own though is maybe not as spectacular. Mm-hmm. So from my perspective, the goal is to get to this solution space. Gotcha. And I have been blown away. Yeah. So there's never a too late, in my mind, to get it right. And we actually have a long time to go. I was in Iowa and I started asking because I thought, surely Iowans are tired of being the one that everybody watches. I mean, we kind of make them into this spectacle, right? So I assumed, my hypothesis, was that I would get there and people would say, oh, I've had it. I don't want to talk about politics anymore. And I did not find that. What I found was people who said, you know, it's kind of our responsibility to take this seriously. Mm-hmm. It's our responsibility to read up on people before we go into this caucus. And by and large, what I heard over and over again is, we don't even watch the debates. This is a long race. The yeah. idea that this is decided on day one is mm-hmm. garbage. Mm-hmm. We don't buy into it and we're not following it.
1: So, you know, in order to run for president, I mean, when you look at the stage and you see the people that are up there, they've all had past experiences, some kind of office and they got a lot of money behind them. Yes. So So, um, have you ever held office before? And are you uh, financially set for this goal?
0: Sure. So, elected office is completely different than executive branch office, right? Mm-hmm. And so, no, not elected office. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a reason for that. Because I actually, I started thinking about this several years ago and I thought, what do I think is the best path to be able to get to the solutions for the country? I don't believe. And I think it's very clearly shown that legislative work is actually what prepares you to be a president. Legislative a president right now that it was
1: never right. <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw that yeah. out, JJ. But <laughs>
0: you're right.
1: I mean... You know, yeah. Trump was a business guy. Right?
0: Yes. So,
1: yes. anyway, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to
0: interrupt No, you. no, I, I I, mean, you make a good point, <laughs> yeah. though, right? Um, I, I obviously am on the Democrat ticket, so I don't agree with all of the decisions and solutions that he has put forth. That mm-hmm. said, mm-hmm. I, I worked for the Office of the Secretary of Defense. Mm-hmm. I was in the Pentagon. I worked for the Office of Personnel Management. I worked across all 14 departments and agencies beyond DOD and overseas. I know what business practices have been enacted. Right. The notion that any one person or any one administration is all bad mm-hmm. is ridiculous. That's never going to be the case. And you know why? Because four and a half pe- million people work for the government yeah, yeah. and we don't just change every administration. Mm-hmm. So you can have an administration of 17 people you love and they may or may not always make changes. Um, so. So there's been a lot of good things happening in government. Yeah. I've found tremendously great things, and some of those are the business practices that are enacted. You don't hear anything about IT reform that's been happening in the Pentagon mm-hmm. on the news, right? but it's one of like our you're... top three initiatives. Yeah. So, so I do think that what we need is people from different perspectives at different times in the world. And I think in this time, a psychologist would be very interesting. I think that experience in problem-solving is necessary. Mostly what we need, though, is an architect of solutions. Mm-hmm. We are spending way too much money in almost every area. And we're not getting the solutions and the outcomes for Americans. No. And that's a problem. So, you,
1: you know, and I want to back up just a little oh, bit yeah. about you. You worked in the Pentagon.
0: I worked in the Pentagon. You yeah. are
1: a uh, doctorate in psychology, right? Yes, sir. And you um, are a scientist. Yes. And you worked for NATO. So I'm gonna, go yeah. ahead. So I'll go, give my, my go background, my feel. Mind, right? sure. Okay, so I'm going by memory, help me out here, JJ.
0: Sure, so, so my background right. is that I hold degrees in clinical and developmental psychology. Mm-hmm. So as I like to say, I know when things go wrong and how to develop them better. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, I have worked for military for uh, well over a decade. And in that space, we do cognitive science. So we're really looking to improve the capabilities of the mind. Uh, when you are in theater, in battle, uh, and that means we get to military readiness, mm-hmm. training and education. Um, I call it mind armor, helping our men and women uh, reduce the likelihood they'll get PTSD, and how to treat it when they come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I did that route, I had, a, and I was the director of innovation for an education and training program that reported to the Pentagon. I was a U.S. delegate to NATO and Partnership for Peace. And then we also ran a global partnership, uh, all for national and international education policy. In that role, we actually, a lot of people don't know, we have written the blueprint for the new U.S. education system. Mm. Unusual, we got the Pentagon to pay for it. (laughs) That is actually a noteworthy point. And, And I'll tell you how we did that. I walked in, I said, you have a problem, sir. He says, what problem do I have? I said, well, I can build any education or training program you want for our military, but if our young people are not ready for life, they're not ready for advanced military Mm -hmm. training. And so it is upon us from DOD to say, we're going to have to get involved in K-12. I said, and then you have another problem, and that is that our transitioning or our retiring military, no matter what rank they retire out of, will be going back into the workforce, Mm -hmm. which means we need lifelong learning. Mm -hmm. And so this new blueprint actually covers uh, birth to 75 Mm-hmm. And it's just been released um, yeah. to the public. So it's there. The second piece I did, though, and it's really important under this circumstance, I was tasked with redesigning the executive branch. All departments, all agencies. Yeah. How do you find great work and multiply it? Mm. So that's been released as well, which we're excited about. Yeah.
1: Well, you kind of hit a button there when you were talking about once you get out of the military. You know, so many guys were in, you know, had some kind of MOS where they're, you know, in... in, in in gunnery or whatever, and then they get once they get out, they don't have any skills to get a job, and that you know, and then that creates another problem. And we were just talking a little bit about the opi- opioid crisis, yeah. um, how a lot of our veterans get out, and you know, they start um, for whatever reason, start drug um, use. Yeah. What do you say about that? How yeah. how, how how are we going to fix fix that?
0: Well, I'm going to say one thing. Before, I would never say that military men or women that come out have no Not skills for jobs. Not all of them. Jobs. No, you're right. I, <laughs> I will. Thank I you. I, I stand correct. <laughs> Not all.
1: You're absolutely right. But there is a crisis going well. on. And we got a lot of problems. That's you right. know, I mean, we're, we're losing a lot of our servicemen uh, who have served and yeah. women to PTSD and suicide rates. And so um, you were in that kind of category. Yeah. What do we do to fix that?
0: Yeah. So this is a multi-layered problem, right? Obviously, if it were easy to fix, we would have already fixed yeah, it. Yeah. Really? Right? I mean, we're we're throwing millions yeah, and billions lots of
1: problems game. out there. We, I wish we had the <sighs> really the golden are. snowflake, but you know what? We don't. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: So. so there's a couple of pieces to this. Number one, we have to kind of understand what is it that that brings this on in mass across so many of our personnel, right? We have very different people that are in the mm-hmm. military, so it can't just be one one thing. It has to be something that that affects lots of different types of people. So the stress that they encounter in theater is massive. Mm -hmm. What they see is beyond comprehension. But there's another factor that we don't talk about, which is rather benign really, um, but nonetheless has a big impact, and that is structure. Our men and women who go into the military are self-selecting folks. We have a volunteer army, right? Um, And so they like this structure. Mm -hmm. And what we find is they get out of military and that structure is suddenly gone. It doesn't matter what rank I'm talking to. I can be talking to a three star that's getting out. There's this feeling of where am I going? Anxiety. There is, and it's not not a popular thing to talk Mm -hmm. about. We don't say when we're in military, you know, I don't know what to do. Yeah. That is yeah. not yeah. the yeah. way we speak, yeah. right? We, we, we're going to duct tape the world together. We always to have the phrases. answer. That's right. You're darn right. That's right. Yeah. Um, and so I was talking to a, a group out in Bowling Green, Kentucky, mm-hmm. and they have taken all of their vet organizations and they have uh, created a blueprint across them. And they have one federal worker, and I say that on purpose because that's the only thing that's costing taxpayers money. That coordinates all of it and what they make sure is that no one ever falls through the cracks that that structure is always in place and so because it's not just opioids right it's a it's a uh, ripple effect if you can't manage your money Mm -hmm. then you lose your house Mm -hmm. if you can't get your job because you lost your house and you can't keep up and you're disorganized and on and on this goes that's when we start self-medicating and that's when we start seeing the suicides so we need a blueprint like what they have in Kentucky that says we're going to organize all of this for our vets and take it seriously, but it has to be by community and it has to start immediately when you transition out. Backwards from that, we've got to start talking about how we do, I call it mind armor. How do we help insulate the brain Mm -hmm. so that when you're in theater, you have a less a lower probability of onset of PTSD. So I'm an expert in a concept called cognitive weaponry. Mm-hmm. So I'll actually be presenting in this um, in, in November. And that's one of the key points is how do we, how do we teach them to better understand the, their chemicals in their yeah. brain yeah. and to control them. And then the, back up one more step from that, and this is what we put in that education program, school no longer can just be about learning knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's also got to be learning self social skills, emotional skills, physical skills. You have to be able to know your body and yourself. When we do a better job educating our young people, they'll be better ready.
1: And when you get out of high school, I mean, we go all, go all the way back there when you hit, you know, uh, doing your checkbook and, you know, some of the life skills, a lot of that right. it just isn't learned. And then they go into the military and they come out and then it's compounded. It is. so. You know, I had an interview with our uh, Secretary of Treasury, Kimberly Yee, and that was one of her things that she's actually putting in some curriculum where kids will learn how to learn the, how to do their checkbook and <laughs> and, and do the, do life skills, and they actually get a little seal on their on their uh, diploma that they God. went through that. And you know what? It's a little things like that that make huge differences in people's lives later on. And like <laughs> you were do. saying afterwards. Uh, well
0: In fact i still use a checkbook yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go so um we were talking about opi- opioids and you know there's a lot of crisis going on in our, yes. our country yeah. and we're losing generations of kids with that um so that kind of brings me to uh the border you know because to me i think a lot of the problems that are coming over the border the border's not you know so porous we're getting a lot of this junk especially fentanyl which uh, in Arizona is a big problem. We're a border state, and the stuff's coming over, and it's killing our kids. So, where do you stand on the border in our border security?
0: It's a big question.
1: <laughs> so I love big let's questions. let right? little You bit, didn't right? think this was going to be no, easy. No, right? no, no. I, I like. I like. Oh not my easy. gosh. <laughs>
0: yeah. No. Um, so, yeah. well, we have to deal with some of the perception as mm-hmm. well as the the situation. So one thing i often have questioned i I, I suspect your viewers will like this question do we have laws or don't we have laws Mm -hmm. so we need the legislative branch to be very clear what those laws are Uh, i i really want to start there um because i i don't quite understand why we have laws (laughs) and then we don't follow laws if we want to change the laws to change laws but we need to have clarity on what that is going to be because that's that's not in a a set place right now i mean I think technically it is, but somehow it's not getting followed. So so. if you're a
1: political refugee, you go through a port of entry and you go before a magistrate and you plead your case saying that, okay, I'm, you know, I'm being, you know, leaving my country because of X. But what we have today is we have hundreds of people. I have border patrol friends who work down on the border today. and what happens is they'll have a wave of people come over, like a hundred of them. Mm-hmm. And then they'll get on the United States side and they sit down and wait for the border patrol to pick them up. Because all they're going to do is get processed. They're going to uh, be bused to a church somewhere in Phoenix. They're going to be given a court date in the future and that they're never going to show up at. And which normally, I shouldn't say not all of them, but majority of them don't. So how do we secure that border? What do we? How do we stop that? I know... I know there are processes and laws, Mm -hmm. but it seems like um, there's not many people following the laws.
0: Well, and, and, and it's in multiple directions, right? So so you asked a couple questions in there, one of which that was going through my head was but what's the root problem? What brings people here? Yes, there are bad actors that come into this country. Everyone knows that. And there's no question that those people well, should these be able to. They should not even be a bad actors. But, but right, people. Not everybody say, is. I don't actor.
1: have a job and I want to go to the United States and I want to. You know, right. work and whatever. Right. They have opportunities here that they don't have in their other countries. That's right. But there's also laws that we follow in the United States mm-hmm. to allow people come in. Mm-hmm. And those laws don't seem to be followed, is my point.
0: Right. So so I think we have to separate, you know, which ones are bad actors and which ones are people that are coming out of desperation or need, right? So out of that desperation need, you're correct. There are processes that they're supposed to be going through. Not all cities follow those processes. Um, that's what I was referring to with. Mm, okay. What is the law and we need to stick with the law? Right. Not that I don't know what it is, meant. Yeah. More along the lines of that we need to all be clear on what it is, it's kind of black and white. That said, I'll speak from the inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was talking to some of our folks and they were consulting with me because we had a problem with our um, asylum folks that work for the executive branch because they were told no matter the story the answer is no. Asylum can be very serious. Right? People are coming not because they're trying to break our laws, not because they're just coming for a job, because they are in extreme, extremely harmful situations. The idea that we are not even willing to listen, that concerns me. So my read of it is that we have perception in the what's on the news mm-hmm versus what's being told on the inside versus mm-hmm. what's being told externally. Um, and we need to be careful about that mm-hmm. um, because we're getting about five, maybe 10% of information. So I'm speaking from first hand knowledge mm-hmm. that these no's are coming as a blanket no. And certainly I always worry when we're dealing with human beings mm-hmm. and we're treating them less than we treat our mm-hmm. animals, we mm-hmm. have to be careful with that too. So this is a very big mess at this point because there's one more layer that I know about. Federal law enforcement consulted with uh, with DOD and particularly my mm-hmm. office on education and training because we knew these huge numbers of Border Patrol officers were going to be hired right. and it was known right away. There is no way we're going to be able to train them all at the level we are used to and I was saying, guys you know what this is going to do. We're going to be putting weapons and control and power into people's hands who have been less selected than typical and who have less training than typical and we all know this is going to be an issue and everybody and this is not political right we don't no. we don't have political discussions in the executive branch was very concerned as to what was going to happen so what i really think needs to happen at this point from a solution perspective is we've got to get people's eyes in to get reality Mm -hmm. i don't think we're getting reality Mm -hmm. on either side honestly Mm -hmm. we're getting emotions one direction that are Mm -hmm. so high and and yelling and screaming without solutions and we're getting another group that is saying hey but we're scared we're scared bad people and bad actors are coming into this Mm -hmm. country we need to get ground truth and i don't think that's available right now
1: so i think that when we talk about asylum though there are laws that pertain to asylum Correct. and asylum isn't because I don't have a job in Nicaragua, Correct. I'm going to go to America right. and become a uh, construction worker or right. a, a farmer. So when we talk about people who are fleeing their countries because of their dangers, um, isn't the, the very essence of asylum is when you have a tyrannical government that's trying to hurt somebody, mm-hmm. they have the opportunity to go to the next country mm-hmm. to to look for asylum. The very fact that these people go through several countries, including Mexico, to get to the United States, again, we're talking about about laws that are on the books today. Mm, how do we get? How do we? How do we? How do we control that? I mean, and then when you were saying that that uh, we need to listen to the refugees or whomever. They are given a court date, and they're, they, they they do go before a magistrate, and the magistrate adjudicates whether they have a the right case to to be a to get asylum, or they're the person who says, "Gosh, I can't find a job in Nicaragua, and I came to the United States." So, I mean, there are those processes. Those processes, but you're saying exist. that they're not that they're not being.
0: That's correct. I'm saying they're not being used. They're not
1: being used yes. correctly.
0: That's correct. They're not being used correctly, and so that's when I get concerned, mm-hmm. right? Because what what the um, what Americans hear is just what's on the news, mm-hmm. and it's very easy to blow this up and say, "Yeah, we're following everything," mm-hmm. um, but that's not being communicated on the mm-hmm. inside. That is not what's happening on the inside, and that is not the information that I have. And. Um, so that concerns me greatly yeah. when we're at that level. And so I'd love to say, hey, all Americans need to educate themselves. You can't even get inf- get access to the information because one of the hallmark rules of government is we're not allowed to talk to the American people. Yeah. I mean, how ridiculous is that? Yeah. right. We have lawyers that constantly tell us, don't say anything. And I said in the inside all the time, this is great information. Why are we not sharing it? well, we're afraid people will misinterpret or people won't understand or people aren't smart. I said, you know what? They're smart enough. Mm-hmm. Americans are smart enough to understand right from wrong. They're under, able to understand what's working, what's not. But we don't give them that opportunity. Um, so so that is my challenge. It's not that I entirely disagree no. with your points. Yeah, yeah. It's that I know firsthand we are being told not to follow some Could of that be
1: cases. also part of the media's problem? Because Completely. I will tell you... I know personally Border Patrol guys. Well, that's okay? it. We're and both in individually. I, individual and I have been, and, and what they tell me and what I hear from ABC, CBS, and yeah. some of the other uh, outlets is not even close to what they're telling me that's going on down there. So, you know, when we talk about opening up and really having a conversation, maybe we ought to invite our Border Patrol guys that are down there, boots on the ground.
0: Completely. But they're not allowed to speak most of the time.
1: They're not allowed to speak. Yeah, they, when I talk to them, they, they speak anonymously. Right. And that's true. I, right, but, but, but that is the but issue. But you know right? what? They're glad to speak to me because I get that word out. You know, I have this okay. medium that yeah. is able to tell the truth. Yeah. I just, you know, the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Sorry, it's Dragnet, my <laughs> era. <laughs> well, I've always, but you know what I'm saying? I
0: do. We need, I, we we need, need to we do need more to, of this. We need to
1: let people know what's going on. We, I mean, we're talking about you know, uh, not long ago about some of the, uh, and I I call them third world diseases, you know, tuberculosis and things that were completely eliminated in America, you know, 30, 40 years ago that they're seeing at the border. Now, when they see it, of course, they put them in uh, a medical facility. My question is how many get across that we don't see because, Obviously, a lot of stuff comes over our border that we don't see. We wouldn't have the fentanyl problem we have today right. if that was the case. So would you, um, and I want to move on from the border, but uh, do you well, support like the wall? See- do you support having a wall and a barrier <laughs> and a, a physical barrier to stop the the runners coming across or no?
0: I'm, I'm going to go with... The short answer with an explanation, okay. so no on the wall, All right. yes we need we need protection, okay. and the reason I say no on the wall and yes we need protection is because I come out of DOD. We can do a whole lot better job of protecting, observing, and finding uh, who's coming across with means that are far better than an actual physical wall in the sense that it's been bored. So that's an in-between answer. Um, no, and, I, I, it's and, fair.
1: I mean, like I said, you know... Um, we're on two sides of a different issue here, you know. I believe yeah. that a barrier does, along with technology. Right, well, that's I, my point. I, is I would, we have I would a go lot with that. that but, you know, I think a barrier stops a lot of the the groups, like I was talking about, the 100 people that come over, come over across the border and then they sit down and wait for border patrol. I think that would stop that. Well, does it stop everything? Oh, heavens, no no you know, it's I mean not going to. there's always a way you know when um, you're
0: very I mean there there are very... there are real human stories in mm-hmm. this place in some cases and if you are a mama bear and you have a baby
1: mm-hmm.
0: you're gonna do everything to save your child mm-hmm. I speak firsthand on mm-hmm. that one and so no, nothing will stop no law no 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 wall no nothing if you are trying to help your child mm-hmm. and so we need to understand What is at the root of all of this? And when we are going to have a larger and larger population, it's not stopping. We're going to need to think about how we educate the world and how we empower people to want to build up their own nations. If we don't solve that problem, then all we'll ever be is in a defense mode. And what we need to be is in an empowerment mode so that we can live as we live and respect how others want to live and build up their nations.
1: You know why they're coming across the border? i got it all figured out.
0: Oh, you do. Okay. Yeah, do. Every single one of them are exactly the same, huh? I know y'all have
1: been waiting for this, right? I think they're gonna coming over because we have so many jobs that our economy is absolutely oh, right. booming, <laughs> okay. and we are going crazy, and we need people because if you want a job in America, you can get a job in America. Okay. So you want to be a pres? You want to run for president? Yeah. You see the economy that's going on today? We are okay. absolutely booming. I'm 65 years old, and it's the first time—and this is my opinion—that people 31, 32 years old have seen a prosperity the way we're seeing it today okay. in our economy. You can get out and get a job. What are you going to do to change that, or if you would change it?
0: Why well, fix what ain't broke?
1: Thank you. That's what I was, I was hoping to
0: say.
1: <laughs> I knew she was going to say that, you guys, but I wanted you to hear it from her.
0: So, but I'll add one piece to it, right? Okay. okay. So, so first we don't need to fix what ain't broke we're, we're, we don't I, I, change what's working i don't i don't understand that concept that doesn't make any sense to me mm-hmm. that said we have things coming too mm-hmm. right so anytime that we're in a good space we are still working on being prepared for the future globalization is not as here as it's going to be, but it isn't going away. Digitization, things are going to all sorts of technology. You can love it, you can hate it, but it ain't moving. Mm -hmm. And automation is an absolute. Mm -hmm. So we do need to also be thinking forward. Mm -hmm. And thinking forward means we've got to change our education system. We've got to make sure that we are recognizing what kinds of jobs are gonna come in the future. And we need to think about making sure that all our young people, and by young, I mean under 60, Thank you. So all oh, are yeah. I told you I liked her. <laughs> that means she's just middle aged, right? Yeah. Um, but so because we are expecting yeah. Harvard says three to six careers in the future, which means you're constantly changing. Which means college is not enough, right. or or right. exactly what you need to do. You need to be able to have training at 30 and maybe at 45 and again at 60. We have to rethink this whole system so that people will constantly be able to have those jobs. And as I, I went overseas uh, seas, and I looked at the differences in economies and how these big meta companies are, are moving, uh, the thing that sticks out for me is what's special about us. And mm-hmm. what's special about us is we have diversity and creativity. We're not gonna undercost India. It's just not gonna happen. Mm-hmm. But we will have a better product. We will have a more creative right. solution. That's what we need to make sure that we brand. And um, I don't believe in recirculating money in the country. We need to be bringing money from outside the country into the country. There's mm-hmm. a lot of ways we can do that.
1: Would you agree with uh, the tariffs, the way we're what we're dealing with China right now?
0: Yeah, so the tariffs, no. Okay. Um, and I I find, uh, I, and I've been asking this question around the country, so this is state number 42 for me. And uh, folks universally, I've talked, now mostly it's closed door when I'm talking high level, mm-hmm. um, Individuals and companies and they said we're starting to see the effects of the tariffs and they're not liking them I come out of the rural areas. My my family are all ranchers in Montana. They're starting to see the effects This is a my opinion knee-jerk reaction. Mm-hmm. We need a long-term solution um, Not to say that I agree with China not mm-hmm. to say that we don't need to have, put our foot down on things We do right. need to do that. We need to do it strategically mm-hmm. and not just have an immediate tactical action mm-hmm the ripple effect is problematic.
1: yeah, it's this this deal where, you know we've been kind of giving away our trade deals for a long time. well, fair. So it, you know, you can't change it all in a year or two, right? That's kind of what what I'm I'm hearing from you. But they do need to be changed. Would you agree with that? They do need
0: to be changed. um, But we also need to change them not based on 1940s, 50s, 60s models. We need to change them, recognizing the world is completely changing the way this economy is going to operate. Mm -hmm. And with that in mind, you start thinking about how we compete better, how we create those jobs, how we bring that money into our country versus forcing an equity we, we have a tremendous nation. Yeah. The idea that we have to force somebody to pay us to keep an equal um, back and forth of money, I don't believe we need to do that. We can excel and bring more in.
1: You know, we keep on talking about this word change. What do you think about climate change?
0: Climate change, the science is... <laughs> I
1: love trying to transition, <laughs> you know. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going down that.
0: Well, you say change, what do you think about that? So I um, I'm a scientist, which means mm-hmm. I went straight to the science documents first and foremost, and I, I I've read all the I've read the international stuff, the national stuff, and even into the weeds of some of it. It's really not debatable at this point. Climate is changing. Mm-hmm. Now, where people start to debate is is that a human impact? Is that not a human impact? I got a little bit into that data as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Seems to be pretty clear. And I don't think this is a uh, political issue. Mm -hmm. It is, it's happening. So the question is, what are we going to do about it? Mm -hmm. Again, I come from readiness. So my idea is... I see the climate change as a threat to our way of living and our ability to be prosperous in the future. So I treat it just like a threat. How do, what are the things that we have to have in order, right? We need to make sure that we're able to feed ourselves and that we're going to have adequate water and that we're going to be able to sustain our transportation, our jobs, et cetera. Very interesting to be in Alaska, where they are seeing an acceleration and they're losing their homes over five years periods of time. Well, you think okay well that poor person no then you start seeing an entire community have to move at the cost of a hundred million dollars for a teeny tiny community imagine if we we have to start doing that around our country we've got to back up why are they
1: losing their homes this is something i've never i haven't heard
0: oh so what's happening is that well a couple things one the permafrost is going away which for them are roads Mm -hmm. so now they're having to look at putting um boarding schools into alaska to be able to allow the children to be educated and they can't get to their work which then means they have to start moving. The other thing that's happening is um, large crevices or crevasses, sorry, are, are coming into the ground. And so, like one of the gentlemen, I was with the Electrical Workers Union, and they were showing me on their phone, mm-hmm. this is my route last year on my snowmobile. I couldn't use any of it because, and then he showed me pictures of these deep, deep um, mm-hmm. spaces. I said, what's happening? He says, everything's moving, everything's warming up. Another gentleman, he shows me a picture of his house, he says, I don't have a house anymore. I said, why don't you have a house? He said, the water, a a lake showed up and swallowed all Hmm. of my land. And I mean, it was a five-year turnaround. It is amazing what's happening there. And um, I had the the honor and privilege to go to a meeting with a bunch of uh, the tribal representatives. They were looking for federal funding. And... It was fascinating to listen to the problems they were trying to solve and they were trying to go after all Native American funding. I said, do you know how valuable the information you have is to the rest of the country? Mm -hmm. Is anyone talking to you from the federal government? And they said, no. I've never heard any of this. This I said, you're not, we shouldn't be going after Native Mm -hmm. American funding. I said, DOD wants to know this and our our education system Mm -hmm. needs to know what you guys are having to do for diversifying your options and our, 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 All of our programs that are working in innovation to try and improve readiness needs to be able to observe what's happening with you guys because if it costs me $100 million to move your community, what happens if I have to move the people Mm -hmm. out of Whidbey Island near Seattle? Sure. Unbelievable cost to taxpayers coming. We have to deal with this.
1: So when we talk about dealing with it, you know, for me, I, I listen to the New Green Deal. Um, I don't suspect you believe everything the New Green Deal offers, but do you believe some of it? That, you know, we're, we're, what would uh, President JJ do to, to convert the, or stop that climate change and, and to start the to trend going the other way?
0: So, interesting point about the Green New Deal. Mm-hmm. It is not a deal of any kind. Mm-hmm. It is not even a legislative action of any kind. It is a summary of the international scientific data. So the summary is correct, mm-hmm. but there is no... You, you cannot agree or disagree with it because it's just a summary. Mm-hmm. So I really don't touch that too much other than to say if the summary is accurate. Okay. Um, but w- what Congress wants to do with it, that's completely unclear at this point. That said, we did a whole study, um, and we talked to uh, environmentalists. I talked to people doing eco-vacations mm-hmm. in, in Georgia and, and folks in northern Maine, and it was very fascinating. Number one thing I found... They said, we're not gonna solve this with policy. We have got to inspire everyone to be part of supporting the environment. I said, okay, well, that's kind of strange. How do I put inspiration into a plan? Um, But we have found a lot of folks that are doing it. And so there are some models out there that are working. The second thing is, (laughs) I call it um, connecting. And why do I say connecting? I don't believe in fixing what ain't broke, right? Mm-hmm. So when I went looking to see how much money we're spending on the environment, I found 23 pages of committees and programs inside government. That is a huge amount mm-hmm. of money. So if we're not solving it already, yeah. then more money isn't going to do it. Yeah. We have to have better solutions. Well, where do those solutions exist? All these programs inside government have some great ideas. You know why you're not hearing about them? Because you're not allowed to talk to the news. Mm. So we need to connect those in government, and then we need to go out to our citizens. Right. There's so many people willing to help. We have so many NGOs, non-governmental organizations, all privately funded. We don't need to spend yeah. more money. We need to bring them together to create clear solutions. So I diagnose the problem as we've not translated the science to practice in a way that every American can participate. It's easy to do the information is there we just need the architect to make it happen and no more money no more money <laughs> well,
1: you know it, it, when I when I watch the debates and I watch well I haven't really watched a whole lot of the Democratic debates they're
0: a little painful but aren't they? yeah they are
1: and uh, <laughs> I'll be honest with you but um, when I when I hear things like we have to change the eating habits of Americans to lo- eat less beef where we have to get away from our fossil fuels and one of the ways we're going to do that is to raise the prices up to the point where, you know, people have to struggle to buy a tank of gas and there won't be any, you know, I'm going to go take a ride to the beach today type stuff, right? Um, those are like really far. Would, would you agree with any of that at all, JJ, or do you do you see any rationale? because? To me, as an American and, and somebody who enjoys my liberties and my freedoms, yeah. that is an encroachment on my freedoms and my liberties. Yeah, so. When you tell me what I'm going to eat, okay, man, this didn't happen overnight, right? <laughs> <laughs> so so,
0: <laughs> what, what
1: are you going to do to help me out here, man?
0: Okay, so what you just described is a philosophy, yeah. right? And the philosophy is to rule by control. I don't believe in that philosophy. Uh, I believe that the, I believe in small government. I believe that people have the right to make their own decisions. Gotcha. So if you would like to make poor decisions, you are entitled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, so so there, there, are, there are two ways um, that we deal in government to try and change things. Mm-hmm. One is through what we call reaction and um, by putting policies and controls in place. This is what I would refer to as a fear-based action. I am afraid that someone is going to screw up and I'm going to make sure that they don't. Yeah, yeah. In doing so, I'm also going to make sure that nothing great happens too, (laughs) right? I'm not going to have progress. The other way to do that is to empower solutions and to make possible good choices. Mm -hmm. So is it the case that um, our country is overweight? Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Is it the case that that's unhealthy? Yes, it is. Does mm-hmm. that I mean I'm going to force somebody to eat one thing or another? No, I'm not going to do that. Right? Well, it's we like need to control. Do a you know, that's it's,
1: what that's the way I see it. It's like that's right. we want to control you at, at, at this different uh, different right. levels, and this right. is just one of them. Right. And you would.
0: I, I don't. I don't believe in control. No, I believe in small government. Our goal, our job in government, is to facilitate change, progress, and benefits for all Americans at the level that's appropriate. It doesn't mean in the weeds of everyone's community, it means at the strategic planning level, five, 10, 15, and 20 years out, right? Each community cannot fund innovation for 20 years out. But as a nation, it's important that we do that because if we don't, China Mm -hmm. is going to Mm
1: -hmm. and is. Mm
0: -hmm. So there there are different tasks at the local and at the national level, you need both. What you don't need is people mucking up in either direction.
1: And speaking about control.
0: <laughs> control <laughs> a hot that, button, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. Uh,
1: I'm a big favor of Second Amendment. We kind of talked a okay. little bit before, right. the, uh, um, before the interview about yeah. the Second Amendment. Where do you stand on that as far as uh, uh, gun control and some of the things that are being put forth of confiscating? I mean, you know, we got one guy out there saying, we're going to knock at your door and take your ARs. Mm-hmm. Uh, We got other people say, you know, we're going to, uh, people who I believe don't have any clue on how these guns work. um, I can tell you, JJ, that um, I'm a firearms instructor. I can shoot an AR-15. I can, it doesn't matter if I have, if I want to do something bad, it doesn't matter if I have a 30 round mag or if I have a 10 round mag. And be very honest with you, I tell a lot of people this, that if somebody was really going to hurt somebody bad, I wouldn't even use an AR-15, I'd use a shotgun. Because if you know how to use that, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's worse than an AR. So I listen to these debates and I'm like going, they have no idea what they're talking about. I mean, it just, um, it baffles people like me mm-hmm. and people who are Second Amendment type people. Mm-hmm. Um, um, why are you trying to legislate me and not the bad guys?
0: Right, right. So first and foremost, I also stand by the Second Amendment. Secondly, I, I in fact, you, you just can made, go back. You just made my little
1: heart jump a little bit. You, you can check my Twitter yeah. and
0: see my response to Beto when he, he claimed. I, my, my immediate <laughs> thought. Listen, I have sat at the general's table. I mean, when, you're, when you're a U.S. delegate to NATO, you sit at the head table. You mm-hmm. are, we are the lead nation. You deal with 27 other nations simultaneously, and you sit and speak on behalf of the country. And things happen. Mm-hmm. Big things happen. If a commentator can ruffle your feathers so that you stand up in there and say, I'm going to basically be a dictator in our own country and take everybody's anything, mm-hmm. what the heck are you going to do when when a real issue is coming up. If you can't modulate your emotions under that easy task, how are you gonna handle overseas? So I had a major reaction to that. Um, Mm -hmm. I do not believe at all that we live in a country where a dictator response is appropriate. You do not overuse your power as president to control others. there is a right way and a long way to, wrong way to change laws. And what he described is, without a doubt, um, a wrong way. And actually, Elizabeth Warren was, was the one who started it. Mm-hmm. So it is really in both in that case. So I'll set those two up. Uh, second, I have a child going into the Army. So I, you know, and my, my husband is a shooter. Um, I have a, a license to carry. And all my family has grown up. Um, my extended family, they're, they're hunters and ranchers. Mm-hmm. This is a world I know um, so where I, But I'm a psychologist, right? Mm. So there's the legislative piece, what laws do you support or not support, which mm-hmm. is very different than what we do in the executive branch. What most people think about are what laws would you want to put in place, which would not be a position I would be um, involved in. You might have some influence, but you are not a lawmaker. Right. Right? So yeah. I can tell you my opinion, mm-hmm. my opinion is really shaped by the military. And I walked in one time to, I was asked to come in uh, and help with a project. And I got in there, and it was um, an urban warfare um, situation, and we had teams. And I said, why am I coming? Why are you bringing me in? I don't do weapons training. And they said, well, we have an issue, ma'am. We've developed these robots, which allows us to put one less human in the team. But they're sitting on the shelf in theater. Nobody will use them. I said, oh. Mm. We have a trust problem. They are worried that that machine is going to be used wrong and used against them. There is a time when in the military everyone knows somebody who they say, today is not the day for you to handle a weapon. Mm -hmm. That might be because you're not trained in it yet. Mm -hmm. And it might Mm -hmm. be because you have something going on in your life that that's not a good idea. Mm. If it's not good enough for military, or rather if military recognizes there's a no time, in our citizens I think there's also a no time. That's the group that we would target, not you. Mm-hmm. You're well trained, mm-hmm. you know what to do, and you've, you've lived and grown mm-hmm. up in this. You're not in that space, but there are people that are in that space, sure. and we need to both protect them as well as others that can be harmed. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where I stand. But from an executive perspective, what would I do? We have a concept in military called left of bang. And that is all about looking at the timeline before the trigger is pulled. Mm-hmm. What is happening in the environment? Back that up. What's happening in the person doing this? Back that up. What's happening in the community? Back that up. What's happening in the news? All of these pieces are really important to understand. We did a lot of study in this and combat hunter and border hunter. Um, and you can look that up. From It's all um, predicated on the Juba sniper who was taking out Americans. And we couldn't figure out why some were being hit and some were not, Mm -hmm. and we were looking at the differences in hunters and there was a lot to it, punchline is. We need to be looking at what's leading up to this because it's not just about firearms, there is a pervasive psychological situation that's Mm -hmm. happening. That's what we would do in the executive branch.
1: So if I'm the Congress and I come up and I say, here's a bill to outlaw 30 round magazines, would you sign it?
0: If both the House and the Senate have agreed, then yes you would sign it yes
1: if i had a bill and i said this is making ar ak's and other semi-automatic black guns illegal would you sign it
0: illegal is harder um reducing access is a very different question okay i mean that's an absolute
1: would be reducing access
0: reducing access again if both house and senate are in agreement then yes
1: you're an executive. Why would you? I mean, there's got to be something that you're going to disagree with both the House and the Senate. So,
0: yeah, the one, the this one thing, caveat that, that veto,
1: goes, when, when are you going to veto?
0: Well, and this is where the, the one that was going, the reason I was looking off because I was thinking, right? Yeah. And my one big hesitancy <laughs> is if both the House and the Senate are by the same party, mm-hmm. I have a, that's where I take more action. Mm-hmm. If you've got one that's Republican and one's Democrat, and they're both in agreement, I'm, I'm less likely to disagree. I, I don't love hypotheticals. I know, I know. Because, unfortunately, that's putting me in a I'm position where... i you on the spot, JJ, um, Jay, I know, but and, but then I I wanted, and I get why, um, but I'm a I, I want to know
1: where you're at yeah, yeah, um, on, on yeah. these laws, yeah. because I think it affects uh, millions of Americans who right. own these firearms today. I, I get what you're saying. You disagree with the Betos. Well, where would you go? I mean, um, when we talk about red flag laws, and we kind of talked about that, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that you would, uh, and if the Congress came concerned. and said, here, we're going to sign red flag laws, would you sign that?
0: So so that's a different question. So. Before, let me actually explain why. If the, if the House and the Senate agree and are of different parties, why I would go with it? Because I believe then that's a representation of what the country is saying, mm-hmm. which is where my heart is. The country is saying, by and large, this is where we need to go. I support that. Now, the red flag laws is a little bit different because I have content expertise. Mm-hmm. Right? As a psychologist, I know the damage that can be done in that. In that case, that plays into that discussion a bit stronger um, because... I know the Congress does not know about psychology. <laughs> you know that for They a fact, are huh? not experts in this area. And so that expertise and knowledge of how this causes a ripple effect, that is actually where I believe as an executive, you should be absolutely stepping in. When it's getting into laws that are at the, I mean, you know, in some ways are at the edge of it. They're not banning everything, right? Mm-hmm. They're saying there are some things we need to curb. Very different question, but red flag laws... That should be a red flag.
1: (laughs) Gotcha. NRA, would you support them or not?
0: NRA. Now, you're giving me the complexity (laughs) ones here. NRA is much more complex than people realize, Uh right? So everybody in my family has to be a member of our NRA because they go to the gun range. Uh And in order to get the insurance to go to the gun range, you have to be, get your insurance through. It's a requirement at our range. So the assumption often is you support or don't support them. The reality is it's much more complicated than that. Um, so... Well, their
1: mission, let me just generalize a little bit more. Their mission is to preserve the Second Amendment. We, so I'm not talking about um, if I'm going to be, uh, and I'm not sure what you mean by, you know, we. I'm an NRA member because I'm an instructor, NRA member right. as an instructor, but I don't have to be an NRA member to go to a range because I don't, because...
0: Oh, CNRs no, you do you, in order to get no, the insurance. There's no you do. insurance, so yeah, it might be required. different
1: in Arizona. But I'm speaking in general. Yeah. You know, the NRA supports gun rights and the rights of people to uh, have that indelible right to protect themselves. So, um, and I don't want to preface, you know, set that question up. Yeah. I'm just saying, would you? Do you? Tend to agree with some of their stuff or not of stuff or completely disagree.
0: The concept of protecting the Second Amendment, I agree with. Okay, I recognize um, that the NRA used to focus a lot more on hunter support and, mm-hmm. and those areas. It has become a very uh, negative, problematic um, group that is is pushing beyond those limits and Mm. and functioning a lot under money. That I have an issue with. There's a lot of corruption there. Doesn't mean I wouldn't listen to people. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's actually one thing I've I've wanted to do. I would really love to hear from the horse's mouth, rather than from the news, what exactly is the position. But rarely do you get that. You get a lot of hyperbole. Um, So the NRA as an entity I think has become problematic. The concept of protecting the Second Amendment I don't think is an issue.
1: So one of the last things I need, would like to speak to you about and get your opinion on, is the abortions in the women's health clinics like uh, Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you stand on that?
0: Um, so this is this is uh, this is a complicated one. Mm-hmm. Um, Notice they're all complicated. They're all complicated. Uh, <laughs> well, I actually think that's an important yeah, point. I think it is because when you try to answer anything with a punchline, I think you miss all of the color. Yeah,
1: there's a lot of and, and, there's a and lot it, of meat behind it. There
0: is, um, and so this is another one where there's my opinion, mm-hmm. um, which it does not affect a law. Lawmaking mm-hmm. comes under the legislative branch, right. and then there is what we would what I would love to enact as programs. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll answer both, um, but I'll start with a story. I was uh, 21 when I got pregnant for the first time, and we were so excited, and about uh, five weeks in, we, we almost lost um, the baby, and I remember saying to the doctor, what do I have to do? He says, there isn't really anything you can do, this isn't going to happen. I said, no, 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 there's got to be something I can do. Well, if you never moved, maybe, maybe it would hold on. I said, done, I will not move. And I didn't move. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, sitting still is yeah. way harder than you could ever imagine. I did not know. This was no, This was 1998. So I remember the first websites had just come out. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what am I going to do all day? Travel channel, by the way, is what I recommend. Um, but we didn't, we didn't have the digital world that we have today. So mm-hmm. it was a rather painful experience. And about six weeks later, lo and behold, I get to the doctor and says, you're doing all right. All you're right. doing all right, ma'am. Yeah. I said, okay. Fast forward to 27 weeks going in for my seventh sonogram, and I said to my husband, why, am, why are we having another sonogram? Something's not right, something's not right, um, because I'm fine, so, so what's happening? And it's that moment when you know something's really wrong. A young woman who was doing the, the sonogram gets up and she walks away. and she doesn't make eye contact. And so I thought, okay, that's, this is that last moment before I know what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And the doctor came in and he said, um, your son has no chambers or vows in his heart. We believe he has Down syndrome, and we believe because of that he also has multiple organ failure. And I recommend that you have a late-term abortion. And that's a scary moment, mm-hmm. right? You, you have done everything to fight for this child. Um, and I remember kind of wondering, had I usurped a greater plan by forcing trying to keep that baby that would have probably passed early on, mm-hmm. naturally. Oh, that's a lot to take in, right? And um, so I had, but it was interesting, when you get in that moment, you get clear, too. Mm-hmm. And I had one question for the doctor. I said, will, will he suffer? He said, no. I said, okay, then my decision's made. My extended family, um, they were really hard on me. They said I was inhumane, they said that I was, um, being torturous, that I was not thinking clearly, that I was being selfish. Um, and that, that surprised me. I did not realize people would get so far into that space because I felt like it was, it was my right to choose. Mm-hmm. Mitchell is now 20 years old. He does not have Down syndrome. He um, did have major heart problems and did have to have open heart surgery when he was a baby, but you know what? Yeah. For his 20th birthday, he ran and finished the New York City Marathon.
1: Wow. <laughs> what a great story. That is a, that's an awesome story.
0: He is, he is amazing. He's a uh, musician in New York, and he was supposed to have further surgeries, but because he runs so much, he, yeah. his, the, his heart is so strong, up, they haven't yeah. had to do them. Yeah. I learned a lot of lessons Mm -hmm. in that moment, right? Um, I learned learned that you become a parent when you don't even realize you are. I learned that there were extenuating hard circumstances I couldn't imagine. Mm -hmm. And I learned that my decision wasn't about me, it was about him. And I learned that choice is not always about ending a pregnancy. Mm. I made the choice to keep a pregnancy. That's not a lesson most people ever hear about. Yeah. I think it's really important to hear. Well, I appreciate sometimes.
1: you sharing that because that's that's it's that's the human subject. side of of what it we're is. talking about you it know, is. in abortion. Because we see so much today you know, where uh, some people use it as a birth control. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and they think. Yeah, and, I, and I, I, you know, I'm a male. I can't really talk to this very well, but. You know, I've talked to people who've had abortions that are so regretful later mm-hmm. on in their life, and it affects people in so many different ways. It does and um, you know, it, I, 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 I sometimes I, I understand, you know, uh, if it's has something to do with you know uh, the mother's health and mm-hmm. you know, but on the flip side of that, I think God gives us a chance. To be born and then let you know let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. So um, and that's kind of like what I'm taking away from you is you had that faith that you know. So I, I want to wind this up because we're getting pushing over an hour now uh, in faith and um, yeah. so many people go into office and suddenly faith goes away and there's mm. so many different ways of being pulled into the dark abyss. Um, I just want your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah. So one of the first things I did to prepare, I did a lot of preparation. I to mean, come it, into it's, this a space. it's a big deal because we
1: see a lot of people just in Senate go in, and I mean, these are really, really good people, yeah. you know, and the and the and the forces to be suddenly you don't even recognize them, and mm-hmm. I and I and I believe, you know, sometimes you could lose your soul in office and, and and what you're doing. So, yeah. um, what have you done to 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 be ready for that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I actually I spent mean, some
0: real time yeah. on this, which, although you may find my answer interesting. Mm-hmm. The one thing I did is I started reading all five major faith books. Um, not necessarily because I know all of them, but because I believe that if you would like to lead people, you mm-hmm. need to understand people. You need to understand what's similar about the religions and what's different about them. Separately, there's the personal side of it. And I made a decision, and I I talked with my family quite a bit about this. I don't discuss my personal faith beliefs. Mm -hmm. That's not because I don't have them. It's because of exactly what you said. I said, in this world, if I'm gonna jump into it, it is chaotic, it is crazy, it is busy, it is nasty, Mm -hmm. it is ugly, I've seen it. Someone said to me, well, you haven't held elective office, you don't know politics. I said, sir, I worked Uh in the Pentagon, I know politics. I was also in mommy groups. I know politics, right? So, so I recognized that and I said, I've got to be able to keep my feet firmly on the ground. The minute you allow people into that space, mm-hmm. they have the ability to push and pull you. And change. And it is important to me that no one can do that space to me. So that is mine. And I don't, I don't share it. I deal with it personally.
1: Cool. JJ, I'm going to give you the last couple minutes because I run out of all my questions and all scratched <laughs> off. So that is your camera. Oh, uh, there's probably hundreds of people watching you right now. Why don't you go ahead and let them know why you should be the President of the United States.
0: Well, let me say thank you first. Thank <laughs> okay. you for tuning in. I'm sure this is an unusual situation by having someone that you probably haven't heard of before. But I feel very, very strongly that if we want to change the way this country is operating, we have to look at the politics and the issues that are are happening in the actual system. By coming out of the executive branch, I have an amazing understanding of our government overseas and now, by doing my 50-state tour, I have a really nice understanding of the solution capabilities of our country. But what I have found in politics is exactly what everyone believes, and that is that it is run by money. The only way we're going to change the system is if every citizen decides to like things on Facebook, to go to your Twitter, and to donate. And I know, I wish I never had to say that, but if not, the doors will continue to be closed, the political system will continue to run amok, and without oversight, which is incredibly problematic. So what I would like to say is I have one simple message. We have all the assets, people and communities in this country that we need. We just need an architect to bring them together, connect them to our government programs and create solutions. Let's stop with issues. Let's focus on issues. Thank you so much, everyone.
1: You know. I've got this reputation about not getting along with <laughs> Democrats very well, <laughs> but it has been a pleasure, absolute pleasure sitting this down a and blast. talking with you, thank and you. it's been fun. Mm-hmm. And I wish you nothing but success in the for thank future. You. And anytime you want to come back and go through this again, you just give me a call, okay?
0: <laughs> Wonderful, thank, thank, you thank you so J. J. much, JJ
1: Walcott, pres- candidate for the president of the United States. Thank you, thank you.